Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here and joining me on the show, he went to my high school and uh, we were one year away from being classmates. Also now does podcasts at Arrowhead Live covering the Kansas City Chiefs, has coached football for a very long time at the college and high school level. My friend, Justin Dupengeiser. What's up, Justin? How are you, buddy? Uh, I'm great, man. I'm uh, excited to be here and, and talk a little football with you. Well, I had to use this excuse to have you on the show, even though the game is not all that significant to anyone who's not on the second and third team that's just barely trying to make it. So I want to have a broader conversation with you about Super Bowl expectations and how teams approach their rosters after they've reached that because the Vikings were there a couple years ago and we've sort of seen the ramifications of how they've handled some things and the Chiefs are kind of right in the middle of that right now, but then there's the quarterback factor. So I want to have a broader discussion on that um, because of the insignificance relatively uh, of the preseason game. But tell me, though, first what you're looking for in this preseason game, because here we have talked about literally every single position, every position battle, like we need this cut down to happen so we can have uh, sort of some new storylines to discuss. But what are they talking about in the preseason in Kansas City land? Yeah, you know, you talk about um, kind of the roster construction of a Super Bowl team. And going into this year, it's pretty interesting to see how deep this roster actually is. Now, there's, there is still some question marks. I think people are kind of questioning, is, is McCole Hardman going to be that number two wide receiver that Kansas City needs to have? But then you look at the, like the bottom of the wide receivers, it, it is kind of you got this Darius Fountain who has kind of come out of nowhere this year and had a great camp and has pushed to make the rocks roster Marcus Kemp, another wide receiver at the end of the roster that could end up pushing for a wide receiver spot, which leaves you is like, what do you do with Demarcus Robinson, for example, who's a veteran guy who's been there. So there's little interesting battles like that going on that is going to um, really decide where this roster goes. And, and, and something we've been talking about is in Kansas City, you listen to who Dave Tobe, the special teams coordinator, is talking about because at the end of the day, he's going to be the guy that, that those, you know, 50, 51, 52, 53, those last guys on the roster, he's going to have a say in it because those guys are usually those four special team unit guys. You know, a guy like Jody Fortson, who is a tight end, who could end up being the fourth tight end on the roster that they end up keeping, who's come back and look tremendous, but is all of a sudden making an impact on special teams where he wasn't before. So now maybe he does have a chance to make the roster. So it, it's a, it is a crazy insignificant game for the most part, but for guys like a Jody Fortson, it's, it's going to be big for him. 
Yeah, and it's the same way with the Vikings, where you would say, look for Troy Dye, the fourth linebacker at the moment, or maybe fifth, depending on how they see it. Like This is a big game for him because he struggled in the first game, made a couple plays in the second. Uh, yes, to the broader universe, it is uh, not that important. And wh- whether the first teams perform well, I will just die on that hill forever. Like means absolutely nothing to what they'll do in the regular season, less than zero. But as soon as the second team comes in, there's a lot to watch for. And then when you get midway through the season and you say, hey, this Anthony Harris guy's got to step in. And then all of a sudden, Anthony Harris develops into a good player. Well, that's because they decided based on preseason and camp that he was a guy they needed to keep. So there's like long-term ramifications, dominoes that can fall because of these games that are interesting to study on the super micro level. But Kansas City's problems there are not that interesting to Vikings fans. But I do I do have a couple other questions, yeah. though, re- yeah. pertaining to that. The wide receiver position that you mentioned, um, was it odd to you that they didn't do more there? I mean, because it just – it even seemed like the offensive line took all of the brunt of the abuse for the Super Bowl. Totally understandable they got demolished. But also – there wasn't people getting open quickly against Tampa Bay. And I guess I would have thought, oh, they're going to bring in one or two other wide receivers in the free agent market. And they didn't do that. So what have you thought of that approach? You know, the thing is, is that they, they tried and they missed. Um, They went after Juju Schuster, Juju Smith Schuster from Pittsburgh pretty hard. And he ended up choosing to take less money to go back to Pittsburgh. They went after Corey Davis. He decided to go to the jets for more money than the chiefs were offering they looked into Josh Reynolds. Josh Reynolds said, oh, I want to be a number two wide receiver and go to Tennessee. Little does he know they end up trading for Julio Jones. So he's back, <laughs> you know, he's back to number three again. So they they did try to address it. Um, I, I said last night on, on the show that I do for Arrowhead Live, I wouldn't be surprised if Brett Veach is still in the market and trying to look to make a sneaky trade here before the season starts. You know, you always kind of see, see this with him. I think that he does a great job of kind of finding – maybe first round talents that are, that are kind of being been given up on, you know, I look at a guy like maybe like a Christian Kirk in Arizona, who is right now battling between AJ green for a starting spot and Rondell Moore. Now who they just drafted where he's in a contract year, maybe the chiefs could get him on a one year rental and kind of see where he's at and, and do something like that. You know, James Washington in Pittsburgh has said that he wants out. So maybe that's a guy that they look at if they want to try to make a trade. So, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if he still did try to do that. And then you never know. There's always surprise cuts that end up happening um, that maybe they try try to figure that out. But they have made a big push for McCall Hardman to be that guy. I think that you see flashes of the talent there. He just needs to be able to put it all together, which he really hasn't. And I think I've never seen a, a fandom more divided as the Kansas City Chiefs are on McCall Hardman. You either love or hate him. I mean, it's literally everybody lives and dies on every single rep he takes. It's like he makes a play and everybody that loves him is like, oh, it's his year. And then he'll 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 lose a one-on-one rep. They're like, dude, he's terrible. Like, get him out of it. Like, it's unbelievable. So I'm hoping, you know, he needs to step up and be that guy. So we'll we'll see what he does in the regular season. But he's had a pretty good camp so far. I think this is one thing that the internet and access to all of these things and even little camp videos and preseason games and so forth, being able to be watched and focused on by so many more people is that you end up with players who normally shouldn't be controversial being controversial. Right. <laughs> and, and that's, and that's funny about McCall Hardman. Uh, 
So let's get into the sort of roster decisions that they made this offseason beyond wide receiver, um, because uh, it's sort of interesting how the league is where there's this top cut of wide receivers where Stefan Diggs lives, Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson and so forth, Julio Jones. And then there's a middle class, but like there's a huge fall off from the middle class of second wide receivers to everybody else. And if you can get your hand on a number three or number four, uh, like say overpay for Sammy Watkins, well, yeah, you overpaid for him, but if he makes a couple plays for you in the Super Bowl, it was totally worth it. But uh, the decision to spend big on the offensive line, but then, you know, even the, the draft, you're picking people that might have to start on the offensive line. Um, what did you think of just the that approach of sort of reacting to the Super Bowl that way and pouring a ton of assets into fixing that? Because it sort of reminded me a little bit of when the Vikings went to the NFC Championship game, the response was to pour a ton of money into the quarterback position, obviously. They also signed Sheldon Richardson to a short-term deal. It was like, we've We've got this roster to win, so let's throw money at everything. And in the long term, that has not worked out for this team. But I want I want to know what your sort of opinion on how they handled this as now the pressure is sort of ramped back up after you didn't win in the Super Bowl. Yeah, so it really came down to two things for me. Um, one, the first thing was is they're going to protect Patrick Mahomes. He is the franchise. He is the guy that they paid a half a billion dollars to. He's the guy that they want around for the next 15 years. And they watched him scramble around for almost 500 yards before throwing the football in the Super Bowl, which is just, it's unheard of. Um, You know, obviously there was depth issues there. They lost both of their starting tackles before the Super Bowl. So a lot went on. Um, But the one thing that we kind of talked about that whole offseason with Arrowhead Live was when Brett Veach sees an issue on the Chiefs roster, it's almost like he overcorrects it. So Mm. when he took over the roster – If you remember, the Kansas City Chiefs defense was horrible. They were basically the reason that they weren't in three straight Super Bowls because they couldn't stop the New England Patriots from doing anything in that first AFC championship game that D4 lined up offsides. Um, So what what happened? They fired the defensive coordinator, brought in Steve Spagnola, immediately went out, signed Frank Clark, signed Tyron Matthew, and completely overhauled the roster. Gone was Justin Houston. Gone was Eric Berry. Gone was these guys that you've seen so long. So he completely flipped it in an offseason. What does he see? He sees the offensive line struggle. He sees Patrick Mahomes running for his life, and he says, nope, not happening again. Let's go out and trade for Orlando Brown. Let's go sign Joe Thune, the best, one of the best guards in football. Let's draft two rookies. You know, they draft Trey Smith in the sixth, who would have been a top – you know, first, second, third round guy, if he would have been uh, more teams have been more confident about his his lung issues and and whatever. So, but chiefs were confident and and that's not surprising to me. They have a very good medical staff that is usually overcautious. So once they gave him a clean bill of health, I said, you know, he's good to go. And then, you know, they drafted Lucas Nyon two years ago, who who's essentially a rookie. So they're going to start three rookies from center, right guard, right tackle. And then you have two, two veteran guys coming in too. So I really wasn't surprised with it just because we've seen Brett Beach do it before. And again, it's, it's about 15, man, you protect him and things can, he can clean up for a lot of mistakes. What, what's, Sort of interesting to me about when teams reach this position. Now, sometimes it doesn't mean winning the Super Bowl recently, and sometimes it can just mean being close, being in an NFC championship game or something, or having those expectations that you're supposed to be good, is every decision is 
let's win it this year. We have to win it this year. Even we've sort of seen this with Cleveland. They sort of oddly let Sheldon Richardson go to bring in Jadavian Clowney, which I think is an upgrade, but I'm not sure how much. They may have overspent for someone who's hurt all the time and doesn't actually get sacks, even if he creates pressures, right? And you see teams get this like, and the Rams are this way. They get a sniff of the success And then all of a sudden they start looking around going, okay, got to win, got to win, got to win and lose sight of big picture things. I wonder if this applies in your mind to Kansas city though, because the quarterback makes everything so much different in Kansas city that in LA, when they're trading multiple first round picks for this guy, multiple first round picks for that guy, like you're going, how long could this hold up? Not long. Right. But if Kansas city spends a huge money on a guard, you're like, Mm, they'll probably figure it out. Or if there's some other problem, Mahomes will make up for it. I wonder how you look at that. Yeah, I think that's the the, the first point that you just made right there is that Mahomes changes everything. In, in just any franchise, super elite quarterback, Aaron, Rodger, Aaron Rodgers changes things. Tom Brady changes things. Those kind of players that can, that can really m- make those mistakes and make errors – not as major as they are on some teams that don't have the quarterbacks to erase them. They're just, they're just complete game changers. They change what you can do with the roster makeup. They change how you look, you know, one year, three year, five year, 10 years down the road. Um, and then, and then the second thing I kind of look at it is, is with the success. And, and if you see how the chiefs roster is built, they're extremely top heavy with paying guys at certain positions. And then they, they do such a good job of drafting guys late of finding undrafted free agents and then developing talent that they're able to pull off this where they have just monster contracts up top. And then they fill the roster out with guys like Javarius Ward, who they traded for a seventh round pick and has been a productive starting quarterback for him now for, you know, this entire Super Bowl run, basically, you know, they, they guy, a guy who's now in Minnesota, Brashad Breeland, who they basically signed him for pennies on the dollar for multiple years. And he was been one of the best performing corners in the NFL. Um, but then they also have Tyron Matthew, who's one of the highest paid safeties in that secondary. You know, they have Frank Clark, who is one of the highest paid edge rushers who we'll see if he's here after, after this year in Kansas city, you know, with these lack production, but then they have Chris Jones, one of the highest paid defensive linemen, but then they surround him with a guy like Trishon Wharton, who was an undrafted guy out of division two school, in Missouri and is a complete looks like he's going to be a complete stud along for an interior pass rusher. So they do such a good job. I think with, with filling out the roster and developing these guys that they're able to, to pay the big chunks for those big impact players like the Joe Thunies in the off season. So I don't mean to, um, to do any bubble bursting. I just uh, wonder if there's like a too big to fail sort of feeling when you have a great quarterback like this, because a lot of the things that you just described are what we saw with the Vikings leading up to 2017 and then after where it was like, well, we hit on these late round draft picks. We hit on Daniil Hunter. We hit on Stefan Diggs. Uh, we found undrafted Adam Thielen, undrafted Anthony Harris. So we'll just do it again. And in the second, there's like, that's the middle point is 2017. And then in the second half of that, the Cousins era, it's, you know, it is put on Cousins, the win-loss record, and quarterbacks deserve that. But um, part of it also is they haven't found another Stephon Diggs. They have not found another Eric Hendricks even in the second, who's an all-pro uh, as a second-round pick, or a Daniil Hunter in the third, even though they keep going back to that well. And I guess I wonder, like, is there a feeling in Kansas City 
of infallibility with this because of Mahomes and because of the structure of the organization and the coach that you have is one of the best coaches um, in the history of the NFL, especially on the offensive side. But I mean, Andy Reid was great in Philadelphia and just didn't get over the hump. Is, is there that feeling of like this team is just too good to have a fall off eventually and they're going to sustain this? Or is there a worry at all that this type of model does not work for long term? And I'm only speaking for the perspective of having seen it really not work that well with top heavy roster, which is exactly what the Vikings have and ho- hitting on late round draft picks or making savvy signings that, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of interested because I, I'm not trying to convince you that it shouldn't work. I just wonder how you feel about that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a funny thought because you know I've been following the Chiefs since I can remember. You know, since I was very young, and we went through stretches where we we didn't ha- we went through the Tyler Palco and the Damon Heward and the Tyler Thigpen and you know Brody Croyle. We went through all these quarterbacks. We went through 22 years without a playoff win, and then all of a sudden Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes walk into our life, and now all of a sudden we're on the top of the mountain, and everybody's like, well, this is just going to happen every year. And, and as a guy who's coached football for 17 years, I can't tell you how hard it is to win, and that is at any level. Winning is hard. It is hard to go in. That's why when you look at like what the Patriots did with Belichick and Brady for so long, it's amazing. It is so hard to win, and especially at the NFL where, where, where the edges are razor thin, where the differences between – Teams are razor thin, so you have to be you have to be very smart with what you do as far as roster roster construction going down the road. You can't take a Frank Clark who, if he is not producing, and keep him around at the contract that he's at longer than he should be. Right? You need to know when to cut ties almost a year before than you should, so you don't get stuck. And I think that's one of the things that like Belichick was so good at. Right? He was able to get rid of guys right before they were just about to to not be as productive as they were. So he didn't have to pay him. So you're able to continue to overturn this roster continuously. So I think that's something that they have to be wary of, you know, moving forward. And in the other thing I think that helps too is Brett Veach has done such a good job manipulating the cap. Um, You know, everybody is so worried about it a lot of the times, but, you know, he went from literally $177 barely having enough money to do anything to giving Mahomes a $500 million deal, re-signing Chris Jones, signing all of their draft picks and going out and signing Joe Thune. So, I mean, he figures it a way to do it out. Um, So hopefully he can continue to do that. But like I said, you got to be smart. And like I said, the Frank Clarks of the world, if they're not going to be productive, you got to be able to let them go and not say, Hey, I was right when I signed him and know that you cut your losses. Right, because Patrick Mahomes is better than every other quarterback in the league. But if your team goes down, then there will be other quarterbacks who are close enough or there will be some other guy who gets drafted who's the next Mahomes or whatever. Like, it's always this constant sort of swing to try and stay ahead in what teams often do. And we've heard this here in Minnesota, what you just said about, hey, they're great at manipulating the cap until the bill comes. And then you got to pay the bill because this is there's no cheat codes here when it comes to the salary cap, only trying to push money down the road. Uh, and so how they handle this going forward this is the, the Rodgers thing where there were mistakes made in Green Bay and eventually it caught up with them and they fire a coach and they have to sort of redo the whole thing. And even then they had to get lucky on some draft picks like Jair Alexander and make a good signing with uh, Zadarius Smith to get back to kind of where they are now, which is a Super Bowl contender. So I wonder about like if there's that if you 
bring out your binoculars if you could sort of see the cliff like, oh, no, it's a couple of years ahead here. Um, so let, let me talk to you about Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes, because this is the thing that gets brought up all the time with the Vikings situation and by me <laughs> with the fact that Alex Smith was good and won a lot of football games and they still decided to go all in on the quarterback situation and say, we just can't do this with Smith with who he is and with his contract, despite, uh, you know, much more, many more wins than losses for Alex Smith in his career. Um, take kind of take me back to that decision and, and what you guys sort of thought of it then. Uh, because I remember people loving that the bills got trade value and everything else for that. Uh, but when the Vikings didn't draft Mac Jones this year or trade up for Justin Fields, I felt like you missed an opportunity potentially there to do your Alex Smith to Mahomes. And even if the guy doesn't become Mahomes, which nobody does, that's where it gives you a shot to go forward. But I wonder what you thought of it then when they made that decision. Yeah. It, you know, it's so crazy again, cause I, you know, I already mentioned all the quarterbacks they've gone through in the nails, <laughs> yes. you know, and he's just, he was so stable. Like, I, I don't know that he was so consistent. You just, every single game, you knew what you were going to get basically when he jogged out onto that field. He's not going to be great. He's going to make some plays for you here and there, but he's he just, no, he just didn't have that feeling where you're ever going to be able to get to that next step, to that AFC championship game, to that Super Bowl, even with as good as they were. And you, you understand they still had all the talent that they have now. They had Travis Kelsey. They had Kareem Hunt, who was – incredible when he first came into the NFL they had uh Tyree Kill they have all these guys and they still are struggling you know to to they lost to Pittsburgh in the playoffs and Pittsburgh didn't score an offensive touchdown you know like to me and and I'm not I don't want to be the guy that toots their own horn here but like I watched Patrick Mahomes going into that draft and before even I there was he never before he was even drafted to Kansas City or whatever I can tell you, I sat around on St. Patrick's Day with all the other Brockport coaches and some friends, and I said, Patrick Mahomes might be the best quarterback I've ever seen play football in college. I just, I'd never seen anybody do the things that he was doing, like throwing the ball wise. I was like, his arm, he's like throwing the ball from his hip 90 yards down the field to guys. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand how that happens. And then, you know, the Chiefs all of a sudden trade up with the Bills and draft them. I go, oh, my God, this is amazing, you know. So I was excited about it. And, like, you had heard all the reports during um, his rookie his rookie year where, you know, they'd get done with practice and all the coaches and players would go in to go watch scout team offense because Mahomes is doing something incredible against the first team. You know, they weren't even going in to go watch the first team offense. They were all going back to see what he was doing. So I was excited for it. And to me, it's just like I said, you knew what you had with Alex. And I think that that in in Chiefs kingdom, he's always going to hold a special place in our hearts because he was kind of the guy that took us from the two and 14 to getting us our first playoff win that brought some stability back to the organization, him and Andy Reid. So, you know, I think he's a, a great quarterback, a great guy, you know, and, and what he did for Mahomes, you they've, they've talked about it pretty openly, how close they were and, and what Mahomes said, what he did for him. So, but I thought it was the right move. Just the talent was inev- inevitable. And eventually if you want to win Super Bowls, you got it. You got to have that guy. You got to have that signal caller that's going to get you to the next step. 
Hey everybody, the season is on the way. Fans are going back to stadiums, so you have to be ready with the best Minnesota football gear. That's why you have to check out Soda Stick. I saw a ton of Soda Stick gear around training camp. I expect to see it in the stadium as well. There are so many cool designs on hats, t-shirts, and hoodies for the fall weather, including the John Randall design that is extremely cool. There's also the straight cash homie Randy Moss homage, can't stop the Thielen hats, and a personal favorite, the old video game designs that Tecmo fans will appreciate. Check it all out at sodastick.com. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Everything is screen printed here in Minnesota, and I can tell you that the shirts are comfortable and they last because half of my closet is now Soda Stick at this point. Again, that's sodastick.com, Minnesota sports-inspired goods, and keep your eye out for our Soda Stick giveaways. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And I think that's where there is a section of Vikings fans, as I'm sure there were in Kansas City, who felt like, what are you doing? Alex Smith is fine. He just needs a whatever. He just needs a defense. He just needs a guard. He just needs a whatever. Um, But when they drafted Patrick Mahomes, I I felt the same way watching him in college as you did. There's a tweet out there in the tweet universe where I said, I think Patrick Mahomes will be the best quarterback of this draft class because I felt the same way. Like there are very few humans I've ever seen do anything like that. Probably none. Uh, And I remember with his, the, the John Gruden camps were so great with those quarterbacks and Gruden just lost it with one of the throws. He's just like, I don't know how in the world you threw this football. Like you said, from, from the hip uh, for a touchdown, like that's the raw talent that I think we're seeing even more work in the NFL. And this is where, even if you're the biggest Kirk cousins enjoyer, and there's the, maybe the Alex Smith comparison there um, you have to acknowledge that Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, you know, Patrick Mahomes, like what we're seeing just from a physical capability is guys who could maybe be in the NBA or something, or Patrick Mahomes who could be in major league baseball, throwing 98 mile an hour fastballs that these guys are playing quarterback. And, um, you know, even though, you know, Mac Jones, I thought they probably should have picked him. Uh, I, I, I think there's something there when you're talking about a short term quarterback on rookie contract you can win with. And then long term, can you do this for 10 years? And they nailed both of those things. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and you're so right about the, the quarterbacks now is that they're just getting so much more athletic. They're getting so much. Uh, their playmaking ability is just so much different. And it's I, I think a lot of it just your kids are starting to play seven on seven tournaments from the time they're 12 years old and they're traveling all over and they're learning to do the, you know, roll to your left, throw it 90 yards back to the middle. You know, they're doing it since they're 12 years old and it's just becoming such a more wide open game that you, you kind of have to have that guy nowadays that can give you that athleticism. And it doesn't have to be, you know, a Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson, but that just adds that extra element of playmaking ability when he's outside the pocket or just creating inside of the pocket, you know? And, and I think that's, that is where, when you look at like a Kirk Cousins, 
he is kind of what he is. You know what I mean? He's he's going to be good on his play action boots, and he's going to be good playing off of those type of offenses. And but when it comes down to it, can can he make plays when there's a minute forty seven, no timeouts, and you got to make throws down the field in situations where maybe you shouldn't be able to as a quarterback? But can you do it? And I think that even coverages uh, are figuring out that offenses are looking for explosive plays. And so we're going to see more two safeties. We're going to see more of an emphasis on tight window throws. That's just my sort of theory for this year after Brandon Staley's defense was so good um, that I think we're going to see sort of more of that five man fronts and like trying to find different ways to have two safeties back to reduce the number of deep shots down the field because the single high thing was so hot after Seattle. Seattle was great, but then I think the the even the quarterback talent in the last six seven years has changed a lot with the number of quarterbacks who can make those throws. So it's it's always a moving target, even from if you're the Viking standpoint. Even when you signed Kirk Cousins, the landscape was a little different from how quarterbacks are and what they're being asked to do in the NFL. Like that year in 2017 was one of the worst years recently in terms of quarterback play. Um, Certain quarterbacks got hurt. Certain ones hadn't hit their peak yet or been drafted yet. And now we've sort of flipped the switch. So it's like, pedal to the metal for quarterback play. And I think it'll probably um, continue to go in that direction. So that's a really interesting uh, perspective. Now um, the weird thing about talking to someone who covers Kansas city is you can't say like, what's your expectations for this year? (laughs) Because we know exactly what that is, but how many, how many wins are you putting down for Kansas city? Like, are you, are you saying they're going to win the AFC there's no real contender for us. Are you saying there's some concern there with, you know, the division's fairly tough. Um, you know, even Denver's got a tough defense that you got to face. Like where, where do you set the regular season bar, especially with the fact that now only one team gets that bye week? I would be, I would be very surprised if everybody stayed healthy, if they weren't a 14 plus win team, it's AFC championship game, Super Bowl. Or I think the season is is not what the expectation is in their heads and in, in, in the fans' heads. To to be honest, it's it's something where sneakily I think this defense is going to surprise a lot of people. I think their defense is going to be better than it was last year, and you still have Mahomes with a way better offensive line. I think that you saw kind of a shift last year where um, everybody knew the Chiefs are going to try these explosive plays. Basically, the Bills came out and flat said it like, yeah, we were just going to let them hand off the ball mm-hmm. 40 times if we wanted to. And they weren't very good at it still. And, they and you know, they ran for but it's it's taking away the, explosive, the explosivity of the offense. But now this year you go out and you'll go get some ballers like uh, Orlando Brown and Trey Smith and Joe Thune and all these guys. And then you have Clyde Edwards-Alaire. You're going to run, I, say, I think you're going to see a lot more 12 personnel. So I think they are going to be able to create some explosive run plays which they haven't been able to have, which I think is going to lead to more play action, which I think is going to be leading back to more explosive plays in the passing game. So I think that the team is is as well-versed offensively and defensively as they've been in the past few years. And I think the defense could be sneaky, really, really good. All right. I have one more question and then a little game for you. Um, what, do you got, what do you guys complain about? What, what, do, what do Kansas City Chiefs fans complain about? Because – 
Vikings have zero Super Bowl wins. They have not been in a very long time. They've had below average offensive lines for, I think, going on about seven years now. And now there's this situation with the head coach and the quarterback and all these things and expectations are super high, but there's a lot of like, what's going to happen here in the future. So there's lots of things that are tense. And from my perspective, very interesting and fun to talk about. But if you're a Vikings fan, I think you're real nervous going into this season. What What is to worry about? What is to complain about for, as you've called them, Chiefs Kingdom? Chief, Chiefs Kingdom. Chiefs I have Kingdom. told you that McCall Hardman is the most, That's it, huh? <laughs> most divisive player I've ever seen for a guy who has been an explosive good addition to the offense up to this point. It, it is just so funny. This offseason has been I, – I see some stuff out there, and I'm like, man, I don't understand – how you can hate a guy so much for who's barely played. And like, he's like, I think people forget he only played receiver for about a year and a half in college. He played defensive back. They just switched him over because he's such a dynamic athlete that they said, Hey, we got to find this way to get this guy the ball. And, and then, you know, the other thing is people do worry about the cap, that thing that you brought up with, you know, mm-hmm. eventually you got to pay the bill. There are some people and we'll get on our, our Slack chant for Arrowhead live. And there are people in there that say, you know, they can't get away with this forever. you got to build through the draft. You can't just keep signing everybody. So those are probably the things that, you know, but honestly, I'm loving life. I, I, I've gone through all the dog days in the, the three win seasons and in the Brody Croyle era. So I, I'm going to I'm going to enjoy my back to back Super Bowl appearances and three straight AFC championship games. I, got, I don't got a lot to complain about. Yeah, I, th- I think Kansas City is the one of the teams where Vikings fans can look at and say, uh, you guys earned it. <laughs> like it that, was, <laughs> that was the AFC version of the Vikings for such a long time oh, yeah. of just getting almost there and then not being able to get over the hump. And then now that you're finally there, it's just it has to be kind of an odd thing, like, like what Bills fans went through last year of like, you're terrible for so long, and then all of a sudden you're winning games. Um, for the Vikings, it's very similar to Kansas City. You're mostly good, but you just can't get over that hump. Uh, okay, here's the game. I'm going to give you two Chiefs quarterbacks, and you have to tell me which one has more career Chiefs touchdown passes, okay? So you ran you ran through some of them and some phenomenal names, so I'm confident in you uh, in this game. Okay, who has more Chiefs touchdown passes, Dave Craig or Damon Heward? I'm going to say Dave Craig. Dave Craig does not. Damon Heward had 24 touchdowns as a chief and Dave Craig had 22. Okay. Todd, Todd Blackledge, throw you back to the eighties or Tyler Thigpen, which one of those quarterbacks had more touchdowns as a chief? I mean, I, you, you would think Blackledge, but I I got, I'm going to say Blackledge, even though it seems too obvious. Okay, it is Todd Blackledge, but not by a lot. He had 26, and Tyler Thigpen had just 18. All right, former Viking Steve Bono or former Viking Matt Castle? Which one of those guys had more Chiefs touchdown passes? I'm going to go Steve Bono because Matt Castle was a pretty bad experiment in Kansas City. He was, but he had more touchdown passes than Steve Bono. Yeah, believe it or not. like Dude, Castle went an entire year without throwing a touchdown pass to a wide receiver. <laughs> and yet, somehow, uh, he ended up with Well, that. I will say, though, I will say that my nickname for Steve Bono was Steve Bonehead when I was a kid. <laughs> hey, he had, that one, he had like one or two good years, though, he I did. think, right? He won like 13 and 3 one year. Right. Uh, okay, uh, Steve DeBerg or Elvis Gerback? Who had more Kansas City Chiefs touchdowns? It's got to be Gerback. 
It's not Gerback. Boy, you're I bombing. It is Steve DeBerg by one, by oh, one touchdown, 67 okay. to 66. Okay. Patrick Mahomes or Trent Green, who has more touchdown passes? Okay. Now, this is this would be surprising if it was Mahomes, considering he's only started three years. So I will say Trent Green. You are correct with okay. Trent Green. I think okay. people forget how good Trent Green was. He had a three-year stretch where he was incredible. Phenomenal. Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. <laughs> Their offenses were top of the league. Okay, last one. Uh, Bill Kenny, the old school, I won't call him a legend, but the old school 80s quarterback, or Alex Smith, which one has more touchdown passes? I got to go with my guy, Alex. That is incorrect. No, he does not have more touchdown passes than Bill Kenny. Uh, but <laughs> all of these are close. I gave you mostly close ones. Like Trent, tough ones, tough Trent, ones. Trent Green only has four more than Patrick Mahomes. So that will be passed probably like in week one. And uh, Bill Kenny has three more than Alex Smith. So even wow. though you completely bombed this game, let me give you one more chance. I did. I did. Uh, let me Let me go way down the list here. Okay. Uh, and see if I can give you one more chance. Did I? I did not bring uh, Rich Gannon into the game, did I? Um, how about Rich Gannon or Joe Montana, who had more touchdown passes as a chief? I'm going Montana. It's probably wrong, but I'm going Montana. <laughs> no, it is. I, I thought I would give you uh, an Lay easy, up there for me. <laughs> yeah, a little, a little gimme putt. Well, but, but again, not by that much. It was only by six touchdowns that Joe well, Montana was ahead. If, if you remember, the big controversy in Kansas City was Rich Gannon came in for Elvis Gerbach. When Gerbach got hurt, Rich Gannon played phenomenal, led him to the playoffs. Right. They started Gerbach, and they lost because of a field goal to the Colts. Never forgive him for that. Rich Gannon okay. then went on to the Raiders and lit it up and went to the Super Bowl. Okay, one, one more, because now this is great. Uh, Marcus Allen <laughs> or, or uh, Brady Quinn, who had more touchdown passes as a chief. <laughs> You know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if it was Marcus Allen, but I'll say Brady. <laughs> it's a it's a tie. That is unbelievable. Two to two. Marcus Allen threw two touchdown passes, and so did uh, one in seven. He went. Brady Quinn went one in seven with two touchdown passes as a chief. So you did go through the hard times, my friend. Yo, you aren't kidding. There was some some brutal years. All right, let me give out your ridiculous Twitter handle, which is at JDIZ1617, because you never planned on being a part of the media. Uh, and Arrowhead Live is much easier to remember. That's where people can find your podcast, Talking Chiefs. And uh, go do that, Justin. You are a very smart football man. And I love when we can get together on your show or you come on this show. Uh, this was super fun. And um, sorry we left out more special teams talk for this game so hopefully everyone enjoys their final preseason game <laughs> thanks a lot justin thank you i appreciate it being on man we'll, we'll get together again soon